Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and you might be asking yourself, who the fuck are Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum? Well, there's a strong chance that they'll become your new favorite band. Fronted by Michael C. Hall, yes, the actor who played Dexter, this New York City-based band is what happens when you take the love of Blondie, Donna Summer, Nine Inch Nails, and let the maelstrom of that chaos take over a room. Joined by drummer Peter Janowitz and keyboardist Matt Katz-Bowen, this is the story of a band who look at the boxes they could be placed within and ultimately say, fuck those boxes. On today's episode, I'm joined by all three members of the band, and together we chat about their eclectic sounds and moods that can be found within their debut album, Thanks For Coming, along with exploring the creative spirit that continues to drive the band. And yes, of course, we talk about the legend that is David Bowie. This is the new exchange with Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum. Enjoy. Guys, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. I mean, it's really lovely that we actually have all three of you on. This is great when we can have a full band on. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Since there's more, something I like to do on the podcast is when there's more than two people and I like the person to introduce themselves so people get acquainted with your voice. Hey, I'm Peter Janowitz. Nice to meet you all. Hey, I'm Matt Katzbrenner. And I'm Michael C. Hall. Damn, what a voice. <laughs> what a voice. <laughs> so I think the best way to start for this is I want to actually start with you, Michael, really quick. And well, first with the band in general, I just want to say it was a real pleasure getting to experience. Thanks for coming. Obviously, just so many albums come out in the year, but it's lovely when you get to listen to an album where it feels like it's meant to be experienced in a sitting. Like, Obviously, with, with the way people put out music now, there's a lot of like singles and there's an aspect of playlist culture. But when you get to go into an album and literally feel like you're in a journey of a sense, it's really nice. So, Michael, I want to start it with you. One of the big things that stuck out to me with the album as a whole is that your vocal range is so widespread throughout the album. And I wonder how important was it for you to have a sense of dynamism within your voice on an album, on a body of work like this? Um, well, I certainly felt welcome to, to explore, you know, the limits of, of the sounds I could make by, uh, the other guys in the band. There wasn't like a conscious desire to be rangy, but I think what we're up to is kind of broad, eclectic, broad spectrum. And so I guess it calls for a broad spectrum in terms of, uh, the sounds. I'm very gratified to hear that you that you experienced the the record that way, you know, that it's something that you wanted to sit with and take a ride and enjoy in its entirety. We certainly aspire to that and uh, are aware that that's not what people do nowadays that often or pull off if we were able to. Yeah, I've noticed that it's one of the almost kind of, it almost feels weird to say positive, but if there's like a positive quality about this pandemic is that being able to sit with records and really be able to mull over them the way that we used to years prior. It's definitely something I found myself doing a lot more as I was taking on music. So that's oh, that's great. Like. And, you know, Peter and Matt, something I was curious to hear you guys talk about, and it's so lovely to have you on, is that something that's very significant is that this was Michael's first band, proper band. And Matt and Peter, you guys have been in band for so many years. Peter, I actually remember... Uh, your old band Morningwood quite well, like way back in like, I want to say 2008 and 10, like really great days. So I wonder what was it like for you to see Michael experiencing being in a band for the first time? Because 
I imagine something you're used to, but seeing it in like, you know, this time of your lives, it must have been really interesting. Ken, that's a really good question. Um, I think that's been one of the joys of this project is sort of experiencing it through, you know, the first timeiness of Michael being in a band. He's done so much other shit and we got to be in a band, all of us to, together on Hedwig. But, uh, you know, this really felt extra you know, it just had that extra something, I don't know, and, you know, the three of us bring, and maybe, you know, Michael brings his, that special energy for, I'm doing a really bad job of answering this, but part of it, I mean, now we've been a band for, like, four years, and so maybe that's worn off a little bit, now we're just feeling like a band band, you know. Matt, is there anything you'd like to add as well? Yeah, I mean, for me, Peter was always this mythical figure who I would see, you know, popping up in, around New York City, in legendary band and um michael and i sort of rubbed shoulders in hedwig it's been great to you know just get to work with all these guys and i think what really speaks to what you're both talking about as well is that you know personally for me and i i imagine this is the same for you guys from you know just listening to the music is that there's no barrier of entry for enjoying different music genres like i like to fashion myself as someone that has like quite an eclectic taste and different sounds and textures but even with that, there is something I've noticed over the years about the dynamic of a band, of like having, you know, multiple people coming together making music. That kind of alchemy is kind of indescribable. And yeah, Michael, can you speak to what that was like for you? Because one of the big things I want to talk to you about specifically is that it's so significant to me that this was your first band because there's so much mythology around what a band is like that I imagine you grew up with as well as all of us. And I imagine how you found that experience contrasting to, you know, just the expectations or like thoughts that you've heard and the stories that you heard in the past. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you're making a film or a show or a theatrical production, you are a part of a sort of collaborative organism that is creating something greater than or other than the sum of its parts. So I was familiar with that dynamic, but never a dynamic where the thing being created was not someone else's vision, but our three of our collective vision in this case. So yeah, I mean, that alchemy is something that I've always been fascinated by as a music fan. You know, I've never been in a band, but any band I ever loved, I fantasized about being in. <laughs> so, so in a way, doing this is like, um, yeah, just stepping into the midst of my imagined you know just quite sure it's actually real in part because we're you know not in the same place at the moment um we'll reconfirm that it's real soon <laughs> but um there's nothing more gratifying than stepping into a room with other people and creating something that none of us individually could have come up with on our own you know yeah and exploring that a bit further, I know it's like quite a big question to ask, but just in the context of the album as a whole, something that I found really interesting, you know, along with the singing, and you brought this word up earlier, Michael, is the eclectic nature of the music. And that is all throughout in the instrumentation. I think about songs like Bombed Out Sights and The Deeper Down, they, like those immediately come to mind about songs that start one way, and then over the course of them, you're in a completely different place. And You've worked on many projects over the years, like well, all three of you have, but I just wonder what it was like working on a shared vision to this capacity where just the work itself was so varied. Yeah, I think um, for me, I think we all sort of have complete faith in each other's abilities 
to do whatever it is we do to make the the wheel happen, whatever it is. So, um, you know, there's not pandering to a specific songwriting ideology or specific songwriting set of themes, not consciously anyway, which is a very freeing experience. To Matt's point about, you know, not having any set formula, you know, I think we'll say that even though we've been at it for a little bit, we still, I don't think, have established a way that we strictly do or do not make things, you know, in terms of how songs come to be. And that's, um, that's hoping that's, that's something I hope we can, you know, continue with. It can be a lyrical idea, a melodic idea, a song structure that is almost fully realized. Things come together in so many different ways. I know this is like a bit of, um, it might sound random, but it is going to kind of come all around. But are any of you guys fans of uh, Nick Cave or Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds by any chance? Absolutely. But why, why do you ask, Ken? Yeah, so the reason I bring up Nick Cave, and now I'm a big fan of him as well, and, you know, the Bad Seeds, is that I've heard in the, over the years that something that the Bad Seeds find very important for their recording process is an anything-go mentality in the context of the studio, where the room itself must feel as though anyone in the band could pick up an instrument that's not necessarily assigned to them. Now, your music doesn't sound like Nick Cave of the Bad Seeds. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, mirror imaging, but I feel like that ethos kind of came across as I was listening to the music. And, you know, Peter, we're doing, I always love getting to do this because people are only hearing the audio. I could see Peter now in like the actual studio room where all the instruments are around and just hearing how the album was, I imagine that kind of ethos was in the recording process. Would I be right in thinking that? That kind of like anything can go mentality. Yeah, yeah, we we say that a lot. Like we, yeah, and Michael just reiterated it. We don't have any process that we can identify, and 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 it is anything goes. Everybody sometimes Matt put, lays down the drums, you know, and I'll just build on that, you know, and sometimes. I'll play a little bit of synth and Matt, you know, it, there's no, and now Michael's playing instruments and adding to the musicality of the, the record. And so it just keeps growing in the, the possibilities. And, you know, one of the big things I was really keen to talk to you guys about, and it's lovely to know that that kind of, because it's interesting experiencing an album, getting to talk to musicians and actually thinking like, was this part of it and getting it kind of confirmed? That's really nice. Yeah. Like one of the big things I want to talk to you about is like, you know, just by the nature of creating an album, and I've seen this over the years with different musicians, that you're forced to put so much of yourself into the work, especially in the context of devoting time and energy, exploring your thoughts in a way that I feel is very unique. And, you know, I think that's why us music fans, we tend to be in awe of musicians and albums, because you get to do these things that go kind of beyond the conventional context. So I imagine just, you know, as a collective of people, naturally people find themselves growing while they're making albums. Do you feel like you notice this amongst each other where you kind of look to each other and notice like, wow, like they're not the same person prior to us starting this album process. My, my hair is longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who wants to, does anybody have a guess for this? I think, I, I think, I think Matt has I, even more <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> it's uh, just, yeah. I got an extra smoke machine installed whenever <laughs> i walk in it shoots out a little puck that's what it is i think if anything maybe um maybe just there's a more i don't know it's the first time 
you know, Matt came to the studio and, and Michael, you know, there was an ease to, to the, the process. And I think that's continued. And I, I, if anything, you know, everyone's gotten even more comfortable and accepting of each other. I think that's something that has grown is just the, the energy and the creative energy is, is blossoming even more, you know, from the time we spent together. I think we've realized we're very lucky to have this outlet during this time when a lot of people weren't lucky enough to really have a creative outlet or kind of had to start from scratch. So it felt really good that we had already been laying down the work. And I, I should add, I mean, something that's very interesting about your band specifically is you do have this album out, but you guys have been like doing stuff for like, what, I think the past like two to three years and like putting songs out and playing a lot of shows in New York City. I actually remember I was just talking to a friend about it a few days ago. I was, I still kick myself that I missed out on the last time you guys played Mercury Lounge here in New York. Cause it's a little bit right before the pandemic. I remember thinking like, oh, they'll probably play again and typical New York fashion. And, you know, I'm still <laughs> reaping the benefit of that. But I mean, I, I bring that up because I think what's interesting is that you guys have done so many things that have been established in so many fields. But judging from how I followed your band, it seems like it was important to have that feeling of starting from square one and building up yeah i think we wanted to lead with the music you know and um you know this is this is this is not something um any of us really aspired to do i think the band happened to us as much as we happened to it you know we we started casually peter and and matt made some instrumental tracks and i casually you know made the offer to just for fun sing on some and the, it felt like there was something there. And the next thing we knew, we'd written like 10 songs. And the first conversation is like, we should probably book a gig and try to play these live. Um, and given that that's the case, we should probably, you know, come up with a name. I guess maybe we're a band. You know, there, there was never, um, we never set out to be a band. So I think we've, you know, continued to serve whatever magic or alchemy uh, facilitated all this happening and just let that lead and let the music lead you know we're, we certainly had the aspirations to be heard by as many people who want to want to listen and seen as well playing shows but uh yeah i think early on we just we just wanted to play play gigs to small rooms and not feel like we had to impose our will on whatever the band was supposed to become just sort of let it become what it is still becoming man <laughs> there is something really special to that and i want to ask about some of the music on the album specifically and i knew when i heard the song i knew i had to ask about it but one of the most tender moments on the whole album is within armageddon suite and i feel like one of the big reasons the song sticks out so much is that and i mean this respectfully but from where the album starts you don't really anticipate to hear such a tender moment as you do in Armageddon Suite. And I feel like that kind of elevates the song and allows it to serve the album as a whole in a very interesting way. Do you feel like in a way this song was like an outlier for you guys while you were working on the album? I love that you, you said that about that song. And yeah, I do think it is. Um, you know, the, the music from that came from a different time. And you know, in, in the album, like if the album were like a painting, that, that's just like a, a completely different color scheme, I think, than the rest of them. But in a weird way, you know, it it also seems like a, a princess song in the best sense, you know. But I mean, are, Ken, are you talking mostly lyrically or just the whole package sonically and lyrically? 
it's it sticks out to you. The whole package, though, interestingly enough, I would say, I mean, this is one of the big pleasures of experiencing the album for me, particularly the way the instrumentation melds with like the vocal tones. But I feel like in that song, I can't imagine the vocals or the instrumentation being different in any capacity. Like it feels like it was very much like the song is very much what it was always meant to be. Well, that's a really good, uh, you have great ears because <laughs> Thank you. That, that vocal actually, um, Michael was was pretty sick. I think he was just recovering or in the middle of being sick with a cold. So it, there was a, a thickness and heft to the voice. And it somehow like added even more distortion to a, this sort of vocal performance that I think we would never would have gotten, you know, we would have gotten something else and but never would have gotten that had Michael not been sick. So now we try to get Michael sick as much as possible. <laughs> When we do it live, I'm just going to hold my nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, there's some, there's a couple of things I'm quite keen to ask you. And I mean, people listening are most likely familiar with your role in David Bowie's uh, Lazarus. I should mention, I actually recently, well, a couple months back, I watched it when they did a live stream and it was my first time seeing it. And well, before I ask you this question, I want to say thank you for such a riveting performance where it very much reminded me what person is capable when they're devoting themselves to a project that was just viewing that as a viewer was quite an experience so thank you for that performance it was really something else thanks you're welcome thank you yeah and um the thing i wanted to ask you about is that in a very plain way honestly is that you know you've talked in interviews before about the fact that david bowie enjoyed your music and your singing and you know but something i'm really curious about is like how does it just feel knowing that someone like that cared about your creativity because I mean David Bowie was a man but he was also such a larger life figure and something I always kind of talk about amongst my friends because you know as a music lover I generally have a lot of friends who enjoy music I always like to say that David Bowie existed to show us what's achievable with creativity but also reminding us that there'll only ever be one him yeah like I, I am here to show you what is possible and what is impossible for anyone but me. No, I, he, uh, I mean, you know, as far as him being a fan of my music, I mean, I, I don't, I think he appreciated the, the, the job I did singing his songs in that show. Um, we had yet to come to be, so uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to <laughs> get his feedback. But, but I do think that being, uh, being invited to, to take part in the execution of this final a creative flourish in his career and life was a real shot in the arm and probably has a lot to do with um, why I felt like I had any business doing this, you know, um, being in this band, you know, I think uh, at least implicit blessing to go forward with whatever impulse might uh, show itself, I think uh, went a long way or me feeling like I could, you know, step in the room with these guys and, and contribute. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, I mean, we mentioned before about, like, how this was your first band, and I imagine lots of people, like, ask you about that, and they find it as an interesting point of uh, reference, but I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time with bands, and something I've noticed over the years is that depending on where you come from in life, just that dynamic can feel quite intimidating, both from the outside and both entering it. So. I think that's beautiful that you kind of had that insight going in. Yeah, yeah. I think um, 
it wasn't something that I was maybe thinking of consciously, but it was just below the surface, you know, booing me up. Exactly. And, you know, something else I wanted to ask you. Booing me up. That's right. (laughs) Booing you up. Peter was silenced, but I read his lips. Um, something else I wanted to ask you especially Michael and it goes back to uh, when I was talking to Peter and Matt just now earlier about like the aspect of you know the creative uh, journey of crafting an album for this being the first album that you made do you feel like the journey and experience of crafting this album taught you things about your creative your own creative process that you didn't know prior I suppose so I mean I, I've never you know I've, I've been as an actor spending a lot of time with other people's words, you know. Um, so this is the first time I've let my own um, writer's voice come forward. And um, I definitely have found that, you know, letting, letting the music lead or, or some melodic idea lead will allow something to come out or be written that wouldn't have otherwise occurred to me which has been interesting and, you know, and also just, I don't know, um, without any sort of conscious um, decision about what it is I wanted to say, I suppose something's been said <laughs> and uh, it's been interesting to just look at it and say, oh, didn't, didn't, didn't know that was, uh, that was there to come out, but it seems, seems it did. So, yeah. And I feel like I should add for people listening, something that's really, it's been just a general pleasure to talk to you guys, but one of the joys in talking with you is that recognizing that the nature of the music is very much holistic in the context of how you approach the creativity. Because I knew after experiencing the album that the last thing I'd want to do is ask you guys about lyrics at all. And a big reason why is because the eclectic nature of the music also is very much in the context of the lyrics. and these aren't really lyrics that can be discussed and dissected. They really just need to be experienced. And I wonder if that's something that I don't think any matter of intention can be part of an approach like that, but to have like an end piece of work, body of work that reflects that, how does that feel knowing that? I mean, I I really genuinely feel like the lyrics aren't, you know, what, what they mean. It's not any of my business. Like saying, you know, what does what does this musical phrase mean? You know, it, it has everything to do with who's, who's hearing it and what they're bringing to it in terms of the life they've lived and the day they're having and what, what have you. So, but uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm glad to, to hear that that's your, your take on the lyrics. I mean, I would hope that they're sort of accessible, but not in a way that you can like name or pin down. I don't know. You saying that kind of reminded me of something. I'm sure everyone on this uh, call is familiar with uh, Oasis and Don't Look Back in Anger. And I remember interview Noel Gallagher did years ago that he was saying that when he was playing like, you know, one of those gigantic festivals and he's singing Don't Look Back in Anger, they had a moment in his head. He's like, I have never met someone named Sally in my entire life. And it's just one of those moments that I think speaks to that aspect of lyrics where it's like you, exactly like you said, Michael, that people could take with them however they want. Before we go, I want to ask one more thing. And I love, again, when I get to do this, because um, like this being an audio kind of format, people getting to have a reference point for visuals are always great. You guys have had like really great videos to accompany the project. And one of my favorite ones, and I feel like it 
I would argue that it's the best way to describe your band in terms of sensibilities is the video for Eat and Eraser. And I think what that video kind of harkens to is that because one of the, I think what I was struggling to convey with talking about the lyrics just now is that in terms of like themes and moods, it's, it's so widespread, but one of the overreaching things constantly is an element of comedy and having a sense of like relief, I feel, even in subtle ways. And that video is obviously anything but subtle, but do you, as the musicians who make this music, do you feel it's important to have humor as part of how you convey emotion? Because I think we find a lot with music that, you know, sometimes people think it could only be conveyed with like anger or happiness, but the humor is important to you. And I'd love all three of you, you know, share your thoughts on that. I think what would surprise a lot of people that our album actually is comedy album, if you listen very closely. But yeah, no, we, we do appreciate humor. I think it's essential to any art, really. I'll let Mike speak to the lyrics, but I think a lot of that comes from the words themselves and Michael's brain and sense of humor. I know when we're together, we have a lot of laughs and, and there's a light feeling, you know, in the room. But I love that question. And I, I love all your questions, actually. I, can you do all of our interviews? Um, <laughs> actually, really great questions and, and insights into music making. But yeah, I think I, I do think humor is fun. You know, so many bands and, and I've been in bands like this where you just take yourself so fucking seriously. You know, and then the band ends and you, you, you maybe revisit your stuff and listen to it. And you're like, Jesus Christ, we just, why the fuck are we so serious? <laughs> so there, there is that, you know, joy in the music making process. And, and so I'm really happy to hear that, that you hear that because I hear that. And it's not something we've ever really talked about in an interview. But I do feel like in our videos and, and the, you know, and in the new music we've been making, you know, there is... There is a lightness and a not taking ourselves or this project too seriously, even though it's a very serious band. And, you know, we want as many people as possible to, to check it out because we really believe in it. But it's great to think that some people are getting that sense. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that's a part of your experience of it. There's a sense of humor. I think there's a sense of, um, more broadly, like a sense of playfulness or a sense of whimsy. You know, in terms of the way the songs are structured, how, where they go, where they don't go, how they maybe establish something that they completely abandon. You know, I, I, I like that. Um, and, and I like, yeah, I think, I think if you're going to, if you're going to sing, you're going to talk about things that are to some degree dark or dystopian or what have you, I think, uh, you know, a spoonful of humor makes that medicine go down. But I mean, you know, none of it's none of it's conscious. Like, oh, I wanna 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 do a nod and a wink here or there. It's just sort of how it how it comes out. I massively agree with that. And I'll just also add that people should also see the video for "Come Talk to Me," which is uh, I think that was actually my entryway to you guys, and that's to this day the the imagery of that video still sticks in my head a bit. So that's quite a special one as well. Yeah, also, I would, I would just add that, you know, the name of our band isn't necessarily the easiest name to spit out, but it, I think it, it came from, you know, Matt's daughter thinking about what she would call her band, and we just sort of stole it from her, and it, it really, I think naming something is really important to setting course and setting a direction, and it really allowed us a little bit of camp and a little bit of freedom to, you know, and like I said, not take ourselves too seriously. 
Do you know where that name's gonna be perfect, by the way? That name is gonna be perfect on a festival poster. I'm imagining people that I know who go to like Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza, or like in Europe, and like Glastonbury, or like Roxwood Festival, and just seeing Princess goes to the Butterfly Museum. I could just think like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I need to see it. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and some labels in Europe, they're print, printing our CDs and records. It, it, they can only they can only get Princess Goes to the Butt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that works too, you know. We have two T's. Two T's. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for chatting with me today. This is honestly such a joy, and I mean, yeah, and I, I'm definitely you know there's going to be an intro to this, and I'll attempt to describe your music, but. The fact that your music in some capacity is indescribable, I think, is part of what makes it so special. So honestly, thanks again for talking to us. Thank you, man. Yeah, come yes and hang out with us, you know, when we play. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to the new exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.